Welcome to After the Show, your weekly movie podcast brought to you by A. Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Welcome, welcome. Hello. Welcome, Sid Talk. Happy Christmas. Mm, thank you. Are we going to break the illusion it isn't Christmas yet? I mean, it's Christmas. <laughs> it isn't. It's In Christmas time. It's Christmas time. And when you release this, as I would suggest, just release it on Christmas Day. That's fine. Um, yeah. Merry Christmas to anyone. Happy everything, whatever you do, whatever you don't do, or nothingness. That's fine. Just just keep trugging along. You're just listening to a podcast like any other day, and we're probably annoying you with talk of a holiday that maybe you don't give a shit about. <laughs> That's not the before the after the show discussion. It was this movie a little bit, and that's kind of all. And never forget, tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Tonight what? Oh, I forgot the lyrics. You know the lyrics, the clanging chimes of doom. Oh, right. Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Always remember that. Super, super cheery song there. <laughs> Very charitable, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. It's really awful when you think about what it. What were but... they even thinking in the 80s? <laughs> Pretentious. Bono and his mates. Pretentiousness was top of the line there. <laughs> All right, so it's Wednesday, December the 20th. This is after the show, number 818. We're a movie review podcast. Every week we take a look at a new movie. This week we're looking at the movie Leave the World Behind. It's a 2023 release. Out now, streaming on Netflix, very easy for you to watch. Rated R for mature. Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of the movie, Leave the World Behind. A family goes to a place out in the woods, as we know is always a problem, and then uh, some crazy shit starts happening, and before we know it, it feels a little bit like the world of people is falling apart. All right, I'll give you the one off the box. A family's getaway to a luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at their door. Yeah. I mean, I'm not far off the mark on this one. <laughs> no. So, Sidsaw, leave the world behind. We just watched it. Do you remember? I, I do remember it, yes. What did you think? I loved it. I always love it. I love anything that has sparks of cynicism. <laughs> And also hopefulness. I'm one of those people. I'm not a full cynic or skeptic or pessimist or any of that. I do think everything is shitty and people are terrible, which is what our lovely friend Julia Roberts says in the movie and continues to believe throughout. And yet <laughs> the goodness that's potential in us is also there. We've got equal, equal. And so I love that they address that and that the only cause of any fall, of any society, or the world of humans in any way, is only us. We've only us to blame. We've got us to blame, but we also only have us to rely on. Correct. And so I like that balance, and of course I'm always going to love that theme. I love the way it was portrayed. I mean, I loved it. Let me say there might be spoilers about this movie, so it's available now, go and watch it. It's a great Christmas, you know, <laughs> Christmas treat for yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> it depends. Either watch this or Candy Cane Lane, and you'll be happy in either way on Netflix. Or both. I mean, you know, you can you can mix it up. Yes. A double bill. I, under, I don't understand, because I've watched movies my basically my whole life since I was a kid. Sneaky movies at night, even telling my mom just recently, she's 82, I'm 56, and still saying, like, 
when I was a kid, I would get up in the night and go as close to the TV as I could. And it must have been before midnight or one because our TV used to go off at that time because I lived in a small town and put my ear next to the speaker in the console TV, which was basically an old crappy speaker covered with like corduroy. (laughs) I don't even know what it was. And then my face was like at an angle where I'm so close to the screen and it was curved that you could barely see it. So I've been watching movies that long. And of course, movies I probably shouldn't have been watching if you think about ideas. And so as I've gotten older, I can totally separate an idea that I see of like this, the world may be ending, people are terrible, doom and gloom. And it doesn't make me doom and gloom, right? So I know people who, if they watch this or a scary movie or something sad, it's like it takes them with it. Yeah. I don't have that. I can like examine it and be like, either it supports something I already think or feel, which is, you know, that confirmation bias thing we all love so much. Or it introduces me to like, oh, this is someone else's perspective on this, whatever it is, gruesome or terrible or horrible or stupid, whatever. And now I can add that to everything else I might perceive about the world and about people. Because you know who writes movies? People. Correct. I mean, maybe not in the next few years. We might get a few AI written. Oh, we definitely will. But even that AI is created by people. And so the sensibility is always going to be from human perspective. And I find it fascinating and I don't find it depressing or sad or you can get sad while you're watching something fictional, of course. And then you put it all together and be like, oh, that you know what? Maybe I'll just be less of an asshole because it's not a bad idea. Now, what I liked about this movie is uh, the tone of it. Like, it was really ominous the entire time. Absolutely. It kept me guessing all the time. I was like, this could be one thing, the way I'm, I'm thinking it's this. Oh, no, it's not this, it's that. You know, it kept doing that. And it split into chapters, the movie. I think there's five chapters, right? I think so. Each chapter kind of changed it slightly for me. Sometimes I didn't like it as much, and then sometimes it brought me back round. Uh, I had none of that, so I don't know. First, so you have to tell us with your words. The beginning part, I thought it was a really effective opening, chapter one, let's say. Okay. Because you don't really know anything. I mean, they go into this, it's basically like an Airbnb, right? But it's Yeah, a it's a really nice, fancy house. The family gets away. Mom's having a weird feeling, so she rents it for the weekend, I guess, or the night or whatever. They go to the beach for, for a day out, and a tanker goes um on land it comes towards them like in a dramatic way and then that's the first thing of like oh what's going on here it's a bit weird right well also before that as they're driving all of their cell signals die which you can then say oh well they're in the country but they're not they're like right outside new york city (laughs) so it's not like they're out in the country but that's the first thing and you notice the girl's watching her thing the kid's playing his game the radio kind of glitches out yeah. and then you're like, oh, something, something. Something's happening. happening, but it's all good movies like this. It happens slowly and leaves you kind of feeling, oh, I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's this. But then when Marshala Ali turns up for the first time, he owns the building. He right? owns the, the house. So yeah. it's his house. So it's he and his daughter show up at night and say like, well, there's a blackout in the city. Something's happened. Can we just come and stay here? It is our house. And he has keys. And. This is where we're first introduced to the idea that our Julia Roberts lady is, I mean, she's portrayed as subtly, we're going to say subtly, because there's no overt words ever spoken Uh -uh. about her attitude, 
But she immediately says things like, this is your house. And of course, they're African-American. They're black people. She's white person. And you immediately understand. But then you're like, am I reading into that? But as you go, as you progress, you're like, she did actually think that way. We just never said it out loud. The daughter then is really skeptical of the white people. She's like, we can't trust them. We can't trust them. It's us. It's only us. Like, we'll never end well if we... First of all, they slip in the basement, the father and daughter who own the house. And she's like, see, like we're, we're already basically upstairs, putting, downstairs. We're put, yes, we're yeah. putting ourselves in a submission position. But he's just like, well, no, we're just not being rude because they paid to stay in our house. Right. So there's all these mixed where you're like, "Ooh, am I extra sensitive? And I'm missing. I'm making up something that isn't there. Or you're, are you the person who if these two people showed up not you would obviously think like, well, of course, it's not his house. I mean, he's a black guy. He's not going to own this house. But like, if, they, you're, if you're that person they watching did a clever this movie, thing of when he turned up, he was dressed in like a. He looked like James Bond. Mm-hmm. So, and they'd been to town or in the city, gone to the symphony, and mm-hmm. and and yet, no matter what they said, Julia Roberts' character was immediately thinking it's a scam. She's thinking yeah. it's a scam, right? I'm not sure what the scam is. And again, <laughs> when they never say it, it's just implied that it's because they're black. And as the movie unravels, you get conversations where they address it, tiptoe around it, everyone comes to the same conclusion. So you've got that introduced right away. So then you're like, well, nothing really bad has actually happened yet. No. We've got no TV, no internet. The ship ran ashore, which was a bit weird, but whatever. And then bigger shit starts happening. The animals start coming to the house, like a herd of deer, like a huge herd of deer. Only the little girl sees it. The... Flamingos land in the pool, which is weird because they're in New York. <laughs> so why would flamingos be in yes. New York? And we see other sort of nature acting weird. So then you're like, oh, is this the happening? <laughs> Are I, the animals causing some feel, crazy shit? I felt it was the happening at one point. That's what I'm saying. I shifted my perspective quite a lot. Right. I was like, oh, it's it. Because you're already programmed, aren't you? Because you've seen movies. See, I'm thinking I had to let go of that very quickly because <laughs> of the ship. There's no way right. that Mother Nature... And then slightly later, you see an airplane fall out of the sky. Yeah, after another one has already... So all the things that are happening, the big bad things, the ship running ashore, plane crashes are happening. There is no internet. They come across one section where all Teslas are auto-driving to crash into one area to block all the roads. I really like that idea. I do too. I don't know how plausible that it's is. It's scary, but, but good idea. You know, is. as far as a movie trope kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And somebody somewhere might say, yeah, that's totally possible. Like we can control all the Teslas from our little command center, you know, like, and then you just get other sprinklings of bad things. And then there's big sounds of bombs, but you don't know if it's a bomb. And there's a big squeaking sound, like a screeching sound that's so loud it breaks some glass. The sun apparently is impacted. His teeth fall out, which is really awful. And, but then you're never really seeing anything it's like what movie did we just talk about earlier cloverfield yeah you're never really in sight of what's happening but you know something really bad is happening yeah but you're kind of always just slightly away from it yeah and you're questioning your own self you know that all the different perspectives are like one person just wants to stay in place and not go anywhere and everything will be fine somebody else wants to go out and seek out answers and find everything 
the guy who owns the house says, well, I know a friend of mine who's like a prepper guy and we can go to him for help, you know, because that guy, Kevin Bacon, he's totally prepared yes. for any old shit that goes down. Another neighbor has a Armageddon bunker, basically, apocalyptic bunker under their house. So all that unfolds to the point of, and here's your spoiler, like, yeah, something bad is happening. Yeah. It's actually really bad. And we never get to the bottom of it. It's not like explained what's happening or what started anything. It's just about these people and where, where are they going to go from here, right? Yeah, it doesn't actually commit to like who did anything, does mm -hmm. it? Because the idea is an enemy, whoever it is, can manipulate a country so much that they just combust themselves. Implode, like, yeah. Implode, yeah. Because they're already at each other's throats, so this makes it worse. And then... Let them do the job for you, and then you come in and clean up at the end and take over. Mm. That's the idea. But, but we don't know. None of that is explained. Well, that's he says just, coup d'etat. Coup d'etat, but that's just yeah. him assuming. He, is still, he knows nothing. And so he's just saying, what if it's this? So we still don't know what. But that is a very scary idea. Because, I think it happens all the time. Yeah, people are easily moldable and very easily upset. Like, you can upset people on one side to attack people on another side pretty easily, right? Absolutely. All that idea behind it, while this is like slow and brooding and it's not like an action movie or anything, but there are action sequences, it makes you feel, I don't know, it's, it's scary. When you think about it, if you come away from it at the end and just think about it for five minutes sitting down, the whole premise is the scariest thing you've ever heard of. To yeah. me, it's scarier than like, Freddy Krueger running around your house or some <laughs> shit. Because it is very realistic. It could happen. You know, the um, squeaking noise, the loud noise in this movie that makes everybody, ah. Mm -hmm. They use that in war. There's a actual military thing that they can pull up. It makes a noise and the noise makes people, one, vomit. And two, they just have to leave because it's so bad for them. Right. So that is a, a realistic thing. Imagine if that was on a big scale where as a human, you feel like you can't exist because of that noise. And that's a good way to put people in submission because it's like, hey, if you don't do what we say, we'll just that do this thing is, again. <laughs> yeah, the noise keeps I mean, coming until you all But this submit. is us also adding to these ideas. So if that were to happen right this minute in real life, like yeah. how would we... Yeah, so I'm not a doom and gloomer, but I'm also not an everything's going to be all right. But it is a person. very scary, realistic scenario. Kevin Bacon kind of has a exposition thing at the end, but it's actually only his opinion. Correct. It's not what is really happening. Correct. But his opinion is scary. <laughs> it's very scary. Actually, I, I feel like he's pretty logical. And when he's you like, think about his opinion, it's not like a crazy person opinion. It's like, actually, that. It's all reasonable. Of that is legit. Yeah. So legit, except for him pointing at particular countries or particular cultures, which he knows nothing about. No. But the idea that all this shit's going on, all I can do right now is protect my people. That's it. That's all I can do. And I'm prepared and I will do anything and it takes to Nobody protect else matters anymore. Right. The world's different now. Right. Leave the world behind. Right. I don't find that irrational, but it's. You know, it's one way of approaching it. I, I found guess. it terrifying in that way. Mm. And I found it more terrifying when I came and sat here and just thought about it a little bit. <laughs> so I think that's good for a movie because you shouldn't just forget the movie as soon as it's over. Like you're like, huh? Mm? You mean like I do a lot? Yeah. <laughs> 
when you can actually think about it and it still kind of resonates a little bit, you're like, oh, to me, that's a good subject matter. So let's get on to the cast here. Julia Roberts plays Amanda Sanford. What do you think, Julia? We saw her last in a romantic comedy. This is not that. She's always good. I mean, she's she's all in. I feel like she's she puts her whole heart and her mind into it. And there are moments when you're looking at her in these scenes and it's actually dawning on her what she's saying. I feel like I saw Julia Roberts right. thinking about <laughs> what she was saying. And it was actually because when she said, I don't want to be this way anymore. I was like, oh, I feel is this acting still or are you like digging really, really deep here? So I, I loved it. She was good. Her husband is played by Ethan Hawke, Clay Sanford. What do you think of Ethan? What do you think of him? I really like him because he's like a subtle everyman. Like that's what he plays generally. And that's what he is here, right? He's not brave. He's not. Like he said, what did he say at the end? I felt for him like I was like, oh. He's not skillful. He has no technical prowess. He's, I mean, to he me. He said, I'm just a man. I'm not like a. Yeah. I'm not like you people. Like looking at um, the prepper guy. He's like, I'm just a man who can like use a computer and do a thing. Like, yeah, but do you want useless people around you in this situation? No. No, you don't. But I felt for him. I was like, oh. I felt for him for a moment because his son was sick. Yeah, but I yeah. was like. Do I want this guy in my bunker? I but don't know. I, I think Is he a quick Hall, learner? <laughs> he does a good job of playing the everyman, and that's what he's doing here. We've got Mahershala Ali as G.H. Scott. What did you think of him? I, I think he's incredible, to be fair. He's always incredible. Yeah. Amazing. It was going to be Denzel Washington, and then it wasn't. I really think he's great. Um, he's got a daughter in this. His character comes with the daughter at night. And the thing about them is they were at the symphony. The mom travels for her job. She was supposed to be on an airplane coming back to New York that day. And so the question mark is, because he saw two planes crash. Uh, is she gone? Is this it? Like, you know, that's one element of their story as well. And she was really good. She was very good. Oh, my God. She was like so in net. She just like melted into it. And Mahala, right? Isn't it? Yes. And she, yeah, I've never seen her before, but she was really, there's some scenes between her and her dad that are legit, I think. Like, she's really, I mean, know. to be fair, there's scenes between her and Julia Roberts where it is a, like, yeah. there are, it's a theatrical moment of, I'm, I shouldn't say theatrical, because I'm convinced these two characters are who they are portraying. And it was really good, like in the cabin and different moments where they looks at each other and they don't want to like each other and they already know, they think they know each other. Yeah. They're really good. Then there's the uh, two kids, Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke in this movie. Don't have kids in real life, but they do in this movie. And it's um, Charlie Evans and Farrah McKenzie, Rose and Archie. Also both very good. Like, yeah. There was no... I liked Rose in particular. I thought she was really good. She was a real serious girl. Yeah. She's on a quest to see the final episode of Friends. Which seems like silly, but it isn't, is it, in the context of it? The way it's portrayed now. Right. It's very meaningful. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is Danny. I mean, Kevin Bacon's only in it briefly, but it, he is major in the whole idea of the movie. Sure. Don't go into it thinking it's a Kevin Bacon <laughs> No. Directed by Sam Ismail. He's the guy behind Mr. Robot, the TV show, which we didn't see, but that was um, a big TV show. And it was about hacking mm. and bringing the world down. What do you think of uh, the directing? 
I feel like it was a person with the vision and got everybody on board to make it look beautiful and the performances and the moments, giving things a little bit of, as they say, room to breathe where you're not just, it's not just, I mean, I've watched a lot of doomsday movies because I like zombie movies and like post-apocalyptic things. I like science fiction where, you know, the world, our earthly human world has fallen apart or has been destroyed or whatever. And there are ones where they cut, 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 cut to get like, we want to get past the boring part where everything fell apart and then get to the part where everybody wants to solve the problem. Right. This isn't that. And I feel like it took its time. And even in the moments when you're ready for everybody to jump into action, like when the noise happens and then the guy's just like, we just need to stay here. We just need to wait and see what's going on. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, we have to get in motion. I feel like he was good at pulling back on that and being like, what would you really do? Yeah. And you're in that situation. And he had some uh, really fancy camera shots, like the one that goes through the different stories of the house. Mm -hmm. And the other one that I really liked was the roundabout where, yeah. where the car was going around and it looked like a, almost like a record player with a, with, with a stylus going around it. But it had a lot of that where the camera kind of rises up above people and looks straight down. Not disorientating, though. Kind of smooth and cool looking. Yes. IMDb reviews, what are those? Those are reviews that people, we're going to assume they're people. They're not, we're not going to assume they're all AI people I mean, yet. Maybe they will be. <laughs> maybe. Auto-generated bot slash AI, whatever. But it's people who have watched this movie or five minutes of this movie or 20 minutes of this movie or any movie. And then they say, ew, I'm going to get out my phone and I'm going to thumb it up. And I'm going to say, worst movie ever made, or this movie is so woke, or I hate this movie because X, Y, Z, wasted my time. I want my time back. First if guy, you hit on any of those, I win a prize. <laughs> first guy says, complete waste of time. Okay, I'm taking a drink. <laughs> he says, where do I start? The characters are so poorly written. It's all unbelievable. What kind of cast is this? Also, there is no explanation of the movie. Like, I get what they want to show, but... They don't really show it. It's completely frustrating. Ah, this person wants... Yeah, I get it. No. I get that. Second guy says, How is this garbage getting good reviews? It's political stereotyping. White city couple stays at an Airbnb and a black man and girl answer the door in the middle of the night. And then there are overtones of racism. This sucks. <laughs> and finally... It's a good summary. <laughs> Finally, this guy says, I don't leave uh, reviews normally, but this movie was so bad I couldn't help it. Julia Roberts has been my favourite actor of all time, and I'm not sure if she even read the script before agreeing to this movie. The shining light of the movie is the daughter, who I believe is an exceptional young actress. However, she could not help a movie this bad. If you watch it and expect something to happen, don't hold your breathe. I have to say it, I will see it. I get you. <laughs> I get you. So those are the people who didn't like it. Extras, we didn't see any because we just watched the streaming on Netflix there. Conclusion, I am going to give Leave the World Behind an 8 out of 10. Nice. That's a pretty high score. I will concur, but I'll give it an 8.2. All right. So thank you, Netflix. Next week, talking of Netflix, Zack Snyder's new movie, Rebel Moon, Part 1, A Child of Fire. Do you know this one? I don't. Do you know that I like Zack Snyder? Oh, uh, yes, you do. This was the movie that he pitched to Disney as a Star Wars movie. They told him to sod off, so he made his own thing. 
That isn't Star Wars? That isn't Star Wars. Fantastic. You know what I always say? Everybody stop pissing and moaning about more follow-ups and more prequels and sequels and three more movies about the same old shit. Because you know what? None of that shit existed until somebody wrote it and did it. So if we keep making the same, we'll never have anything new. So I love Zack Snyder, although he tried to make it Star Wars first, but then he rallied and changed it. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah. And he made one of my favorite movies, Sucker Punch. I love that movie. Also, you like the Superman movie. Man of Steel. Amazing. Yes. So movie recommendations. I'll give you two based on this movie. I'll give you a Nope by Jordan Peele. It's my favorite of his movies. I get you. You know, it has that weird off kilter. You don't know what the hell is happening kind of deal. And my other one is True Detective Season 3. Because if you want to see Mahershala Ali in a good role, that is an excellent one. And I don't think, I think people dropped off the True Detective thing. True Detective is really good. It is really good. And guess what? The new one is in January. Nice. And the thing about True Detective, even after what I just said about, oh, let's make something new. True Detective is different every season. It isn't the same detectives. It isn't the same story. It's just the same title. Kind of like Fargo. Yes. The series. It can be anything each time. Well, I mean, it's all tied together in the same universe, the same names, same histories here and there crisscross. However, it's not like you're just waiting to see what Ross and Rachel are doing in the next season. You know what I mean? Like it's actually inventing a whole new offshoot of the same universe. We have this vibe, True Detective, and we'll we'll fit a story into it. And if they mention something that you remember from another series, you're kind of like, oh, oh, I know what they're talking about. (laughs) So, nope, and True Detective season three. Well, all of True Detective, actually. Yes. I mean, the first one, come on. Like, we had nothing, we didn't know what to expect. No. And it was like, whoa. But the second one, people fell off on that one. But I thought that Colin Farrell one was actually really good. It was. It was interesting. Yeah. And mine are going to be, because in this movie, what we address is the idea that once the internet is gone, you're no longer going to have your friends on a server somewhere for you to click and marathon all of your friends' episodes or your sports games, whatever it is that you use for entertainment, right? So in the movie, they have a whole wall of DVDs. And on that wall of DVDs, there are whole series of shows. Like she finds her friends, the whole series, the whole season, you know, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, what would I want? Well, of course, here are mine. MASH, which I have. Cheers. Which you have. Which I have. (laughs) Bewitched, which is hard to get a hold of. Yes. Uh, Legitimately, I forgot one, WKRP in Cincinnati. Also almost impossible because some dickheads own it and they won't figure out how to own the music and the music was a big part of it and blah 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 but that's a side note i would also have bob's burgers of course and then i would have thousands of gardening videos because what's a good skill to have when all the shit falls apart gardening and then i would also have a deck of cards and some dice i don't read much so i'm not sure that reading would be my post-apocalyptic activity of choice but that's what I would be doing. I'm marathoning that shit over and over and over. What I think I would like is Twin Peaks. Right. Which I've got. And Peep Show. Because Peep Show makes me laugh so hard every single time. And I think it would never but stop me. Are you, are you want to watch those through eternity? Yes. Not Pe- eternity, Peep but Show until you're dead. That really, <laughs> it's, it's always funny every time I turn it on. So it can be funny post-apocalyptic. Yes. <laughs> I think I would always laugh at that. You'd be like, everything's gone, we're starving to death, just let me turn on. 
Twin Peaks and Peep Show. It's very different, by the way. Twin Peaks is not a comedy. No, but it, it is in parts. Sometimes it is funny. True that. You can get everything from Twin Peaks, actually. Philosophical stuff, funny stuff. Confusing stuff. Murdery stuff, confusing stuff. Yeah, the whole thing. So uh, that's the movie recommendations. So it is the final show of uh, 2023, I think. Maybe, maybe I mean, not. if you're if we're going to do it next week, then you'll be airing it on New Year's Day. That, yes. So let's just say it is the final show of 2023. So we're going to do our top so 10. So if we do one on the, if you expose, if you expose one, if you release one on January 1st, it'll just be a bonus. Yes. Okay. So we're going to do our top 10 movies of the year, like we do every time, and our worst movies of the year. Let me bring up my sheets. Oh, hold on, because on the first is the new year. So what am I talking about? I don't know. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Let's carry on. This is the last one of this year. (laughs) Yes. Top 10 movies of the year. We're going to start at number 10 and move up to our greatest movie of the year. Number 10 for me is A24 Infinity Pool. Oh. Or was it Neon? It was either Neon or A24, but it was uh, Infinity Pool. You know, David Cronenberg's son, Brandon. It was right. insane, and I loved it. Did you like it? Is it I, not even in your list? It's not on my list, and I'm trying. I'm struggling to remember. It was, it was. very, very bizarre. The it was um, the guy from True Blood as well, the vampire guy. Okay, he wasn't a vampire though. <laughs> no, it was all kinds of shit going on. They go to that islandy type place. Okay, you don't remember? No, <laughs> with the lady from Pearl. Okay, no, I have to look at it. Don't waste your time explaining it to me. I it's just have to look it up. And really weird. <laughs> Infinity Bill, number 10 for me. Okay, I have a tie for number 10. It's Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, and A Good Person. All right. And the way I'm doing mine is I have a spreadsheet. I score everything, and then those two got 8.5s, and that's why they are tying for number 10. Number nine, I have gone with Evil Dead Rise, <laughs> the newest Evil Dead movie. I thought it was really cool. It was... It did Evil Dead again, like it kind of did it again, but it was different enough for me to like it. I forgot that was this year. It was this year. Oh, with the mother and the kids. Yeah, Yeah, in in the place that was about to be knocked down. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Evil Dead Rise. My number nine is very different from that. It's Sisu. Sisu, yeah, very good. really good. Like bizarrely good and weird a little bit. Like a revenge slash... Yeah, like an intense... Badass guy. Adu- yeah, Sisu, S-I-S-U. It's really good. Number eight, I am going with Florence Pew 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 in A Good Person, which yep. you've already had. Yeah. Very good. Made me uh, well up a couple of times. Not a cheery movie when I you think, really think about it. I think she played it really well and it was like a complicated character. Agree. Yeah, that's my number eight. And my number eight is Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Oh, yeah, Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. It felt real, like the the battles. Mm. Like it felt like he was really there, like a documentary almost. Very good. All right, I'm going my number seven, Empire of Light by Sam Mendes. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, with yeah. um, Olivia Coleman running the cinema yes. in, in the yeah. 60s. That was good, was sweet. It was very sweet and also poignant. And I really like movies that take place in cinemas for some reason. <laughs> I've always found that. Well, for some reason. Yeah. Because you love movies. And then my next three are all tied with the same score. So number seven, we're just going to put at Leave the World Behind. Oh. 
because I really, I really gave it a good score as 8.8 because it just, it got all my brain, this is today's movie, uh, just, you know, firing on all thoughts and like very current and also digging deep to be like, oh, am I part of a problem here? And so I feel like, and it looked gorgeous, well-made. I disagree with the one star people. <laughs> yeah. My number six is Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a yeah, yeah. Another A24 one this year. Really? He's the guy who did Midsommar. He can't lose. You can't lose in my eyes. <laughs> and this is a very different movie to what he's made before. It is the most anxiety ridden movie I've ever watched. It makes you feel like you are on edge the entire time. Absolutely. Especially that man in the corner of the frame that keeps walking up to that window in the middle of it. And when you don't understand what's <laughs> real and what's not. And yeah, it's a... Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to portray somebody being anxiety ridden, this is it. Especially that opening sequence where he has to go across the road in his neighborhood to get some drugs from his... <laughs> yes. It's just... Ugh. I mean, it borderlines on pretentiousness and a little bit, mm, you know, but overall, yes. I remember it being high quality. My next one is Totally Killer. Oh, really? Yeah. It's got 8.8. .8 that was a Netflix movie too. And it was like a... A fun take on like the slasher movie, right? But with time travel thrown in. Right. It was yeah. good. I really liked it. Are we up to number five? Yes, we are. Yeah. Number five for me is HBO Films Reality. Oh, now, Reality was good. Yeah. That's a, I've never seen Sydney Sweeney, the lady who plays Reality in that movie. I've never seen her before, but she's like a, she's in a HBO show called Euphoria and people have, I keep seeing people saying, oh, she's so good. She's so good. This is the first I've seen of her and she was amazing. She was really good. And reality is her name in the movie. Yes. And so now I'm up to number five. Yes, that was my number five. Bones and all. Yes. So what? You know, like what? <laughs> it's that, an interesting one. That's from the guy who did. It's a quiet little uh, horror movie, really. It is. It's like a road trip movie, a horror movie and an art house movie at the same time. Yeah. Number four for me is The Menu. Oh, right. It was actually the first movie we saw last year. Uh, this year, sorry. It that was the first one? Yeah. That was like 50 weeks ago? We watched it in January, yeah. Wow. The, the Menu is just a really fun, I think I find it really fun. It's just like a, it's a horror movie really, but it's also like making fun of like the culinary world. Well, specifically making fun of pretentious, pretentious chefs. chefs. Yeah, it's and, just a cool idea. And the people who covet the idea of a lettuce leaf with a burned piece of onion and then a drop of yes. raw meat on top as like, oh, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. And it takes it really far and it's fun. And my number four, recent, The Holdovers. Oh, I gave it an 8.9 because it's really beautiful. It's got a good sentiment. It's quiet and it's old fashioned to me. You know, the style of it put me in mind of Dead Poets Society, stuff like that. And so, yeah, I really like The Holdovers. We just watched it last week. Number three for me is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. A truly like cinematic spectacle. True. Everything about it. I, I just it was luxurious. It was an interesting topic that I didn't know much about, and I 
felt fulfilled at the end of it. <laughs> Goodness, shouldn't that be like your number one? <laughs> Being fulfilled by a movie sounds yeah. pretty high. And guess what my number three is? Also Oppenheimer. Oh, right. We, yeah, we crisscrossed for once. Only for one movie. <laughs> well, I don't know what your top two are, so we'll see. Number two for me is Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. Oh, <laughs> You moved him up a little bit. And we only just me. saw it, and it, it almost immediately went into my, I would watch this movie every Christmas if I could. Oh, okay. It's like that kind of movie. It's not your average Christmas movie. It's something Correct. else. But it is a Christmas movie. So yeah, The Holdover's number two. And my number two is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You nice. know how much I love the other one. Yeah. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. What was it called? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man... Across the spider of I don't know. I don't know. I just loved them. I love it. I'm lost in it from the moment it starts. It's beautiful animation. I like the story. I just feel like it, obviously I got a nine, so it rose to the top. <laughs> right. Number one. Da, 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 da. All right. This number one would be controversial because this movie got some Razzies, apparently. Okay. And people really hate it, but I don't. I really love it. And it's Margot Robbie in Babylon. Right. I just thought it was awesome. It was so full of energy. Full of energy and kind of weird and, and like kind of uh, weird, yeah. also old fashioned. Like if you can imagine watching old, really old. I mean, like we're talking about from the 20s and 30s movies and mixing that with the modern sensibility and sort of like this crazy abandon all self-control. Yes. And limitations. And I mean, it's about filmmaking and she wants to be an actress and becomes very popular. And it's set in olden times. Like, and at you know, the end of it, you feel exhausted. It feels like a... Like you went through the ringer. Yeah. Uh, what's the <laughs> Razzies for? Was it just people didn't like the... I don't think people understood it. I love it when you like something. Yeah. And when people don't, you and just it was def from, defend it by saying they're just dumb. It was from the guy who did La La Land, which I also really loved. So. And I didn't love La La Land, so right. that's interesting. Um, and my number one, drum roll, yes. got a 9.2. Nobody got a 10 this year. Also Babylon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It is interesting because I remember giving it, I didn't feel like it was the perfect movie or anything, but it just gave me that whole movie watching nostalgia because I did study a little bit of film when I was in college like 30 years ago. So I took film history classes and this sort of, and I've watched a lot of old movies from the teens and like the origins of filmmaking, right? And it just gave me that. And then this really sad story of, the times they are changing. So we're going from silent movies to talkie movies in the film. And then we have Brad Pitt's character who was king of the silent movies, Mr. Beautiful, Mr. You know, drama guy, and then facing the reality of talkie movies and the changing culture around movies getting made. And that's the sad part. And her whole journey is also sad because she's just kind of Yeah, it's broken a bunch and of detached. stories, isn't it? Yeah. Running kind of through this time period. Yeah, and I agree. I don't I wouldn't give it a Razzie. I mean, it can feel a little bit forced. Self-indulgent so. maybe Absolutely. on the director's part. But for this one it didn't bother me. All right, let's Clearly. get into it's funny that we agree with it. I know. Let's get into the worst movies. I couldn't think of one, so I came up with 3. I have 5. All right. Well, here's my 3 worst movies of the year for okay. me. Okay. Number 1, I don't know if it's the worst, but it's the most disappointing for me. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Right on. That's on my list as well. Because I don't want to watch it again. And nope. I love Indiana Jones, but... You want I, it to, like, not exist? I wish it hadn't happened, yeah. 
I get you. My other one is a movie series that I feel has outstayed its welcome. Scream 6. Mm. It was just nothing. In fact, yeah. it's very hard to remember what happened. I think I gave, see, my worst movies are everything I gave under a five. So my scoring is 10, well, zero to 10, everything under a five. And Scream was at a five and I was like tempted to put it in there, but it made the cut for just average movie flaw, yeah. you know? So and my other worst one that I just wanted to throw in there was 65 with Adam Driver. Yes, that's also on my list. It was just boring. Absolutely. <laughs> and I have Ghosted. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Renfield. Yeah, no. And mm. I gave Meg to the trench a four. So, yeah. I mean, it was also more about like blah. Even though I, I'm interested and it's underwater and it's science fiction and it's weirdness, it was just less than less than less. It wasn't as good as the first In fact, one. It got my worst score of the year. It got a four. Everybody else, Renfield got a 4.6. Ghost did got a 4.7. 65 got a 4.7. 65 also had great potential. Why did neither of us this year have Barbie in our in anywhere in the worst or the best? Well, mine is a scoring situation, right. so she probably got an eight. Yeah, I'm guessing she. I mean, the movie probably got an eight because it was really good, but not like ba boom. Yeah, it got an eight. I'm looking back over my scores, so that's right. why she's right there. And Gran Turismo was actually really good, beautiful yes, it movie. Was. I thought so, um, too. A couple of other ones. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Bo is Afraid, for me, got an eight, so it's up there. Air was also really good, but it got an eight, so it didn't make the cut of 8.5 and above. Air, I thought, was really good. Beautiful, well-made, interesting story. And the return of Ben Affleck as director. And working with his friend as well. Yeah. I also had Empire of Light as an eight, so it was up there, too, but just... Just lost out on my coveted top 10 slash 11 movies of the year. All right, what's for dinner? I'll tell you what's for dinner because I'm making it. All right. I'm making tomato and squash pasta. Yum. And that's what I'm making. So that's what you're having. I'm all in. Oh, I'm, I'm happy with that. And what's your advice? And let's get out of it. My advice isn't really advice. Well, maybe it is. Let me reread it. Hey, content creators. Is that us? We are. We, we create content for people to listen to. Yes. So it's us. <laughs> well, you, because you do all the work. I just sit here and talk all and right. then I get up and walk away or I play my card game and whatnot. But you're a content creator. Yeah. So content creators, please consider, right? Just consider that your monologues about how hard you work on getting this content out to the world for all of us is really relentlessly boring. I mean, it is endlessly, relentlessly, mind-numbingly boring. I don't give a shit how long it takes you to do this podcast. I don't give a shit how long it took a gardener to show me her tomato growing and how hard it was to sit at the computer for five hours and how, oh, I have to sit at the computer so many hours every week to get this content out to all of you. So please subscribe and share and join my thing. I don't Maybe it's a new fashion thing that I'm just never going to get on board with. If I appreciate what you're giving me and you're in a situation where I can contribute by buying a product or watching you more or whatever the situation is, I'm an adult. I can see the effort you've made. I will make my decision. Once you start whining at me, I might not ever come back. And maybe I'm in a minority here. But I've, I also don't want to hear people who go to work and then come home and talk about how hard work was. Now, if you're a brain surgeon or an emergency room doctor or 
something like that. I mean, you're going to need to vent. It's a very stressful job. I get that. But those aren't most of the people I know. And they have jobs that they've chosen, right? You've chosen to be a YouTube person. Yes. You've chosen to create your own living based on someone else giving you the option for free. YouTube is there for free. You don't have to pay them anything. They're letting you, letting you put videos on there. And then you are exploiting the circumstance. You are taking the opportunity to make money off of that. That is all your choice. And then maybe there are whole channels devoted to people complaining about how hard it is. I don't even know because I would avoid that terribly. But I just don't connect the content you're giving me with how hard it is for you to give it to me. Being tired and being frustrated and we all can say, oh, you know, I mean, that's cool. That's I get that. But I'm finding a trend with a lot of the people that I watch on a regular basis. It's becoming a thing. And it's like, is it a guilt trip? Or am I now supposed to give you money? Am I supposed to? I don't even know what it's about. So <laughs> and people really hate that I'm saying it. But I mean, seriously, I don't want you next on the next few podcasts to go. Oh, it took me three hours to sit here and cut out all the breaths. I actually enjoy um, editing podcasts. I know you do. And this is maybe why I also have this opinion that I watch you enjoy the entire process. And if you didn't enjoy part of it, guess what? We wouldn't be doing it. Right? right, exactly. And we totally do it for free. We don't do it for any. We don't advertise. We don't get anything. We get the movies from the companies, um, either a code or something like that, so that we watch it. And, you know, so that would be what we get. But we're not selling anything. We don't charge anybody. I don't sit here and go, hey, have a nice hot drink of this tea brand. And we're then actually I get just reeling you all in. And then eventually we're going <laughs> to yeah. chat. We're going to say, hey, this week we're sponsored by. Squash pasta. And do you know how hard it is for us to do this? <laughs> and if you guys could just go ahead and buy some of that squash pasta, that would really help us out. Really, really, really. No, that's what I'm talking about. No, this is our um, pledge to, to you. We you, won't solicit you for You've anything. even told me about people that you watch who literally their entire streaming or live streaming is them telling you how much the bills are and yes. how much the car broke down. So if you guys could just rally together and send me some money, like, what are you talking about? Like, the, uh, Dark Side Phil, we're talking about you. <laughs> I wasn't going to name any names because I <laughs> forgot because I'm not that interested. But people who, I just don't get it. It's like societal welfare, which, you know, help and assistance is great. But when you create it and then people don't fall for it and you're mad about it or upset about it, I don't know. I just find it really boring. And it's probably boring to talk about it so i won't mention it again boring. except if i encounter it more yeah all right acecully.com that's the place you can go to get this podcast twitter facebook instagram we're on there acecully and sid talk you can also go to spotify itunes amazon music or youtube to listen to this podcast you can email feedback to me acecully acecully.com do not email sid talk she doesn't want your email <laughs> and Stay classy, 2023, because you're about to get squished. Nice. And I'm going to say Merry Christmas and all the things. And still, you better just think for yourself or someone will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>